Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. Today, I want to talk about rethinking safety. I think there's a good chance you may already know these topics, these things I'm about to discuss. But I also believe, like me, you find yourself surrounded by people that are not aware of these concepts. So I want to do two things here. One, I want to give you some reassurance that you aren't crazy. I think we all need to hear that sometimes. When you are constantly hearing old school safety messages, you can feel like you're outside the pack. And maybe you are. The other reason is to give you a little extra motivation. It's so normal to face resistance to advanced safety management concepts, like daily. We can all use a little reinforcement that we are on the right path, even though it's not the popular path. And the other thing is thank you. Thank you for doing the work you do, influencing people one mind at a time. So first, stop focusing on recordables. Focus on SIFs instead. We are becoming more and more aware that recordables are not a true measure of safety performance. Unfortunately, there are still a lot of companies that use this metric to determine if we can work with them. We need to continually speak the truth that recordables are a statistically invalid measurement. Measuring them can also hinder reporting, and open communication is the lifeblood of a safety culture. I'll put a link to a study in the show notes, but here's the bottom line. In 2020, the Construction Safety Research Alliance studied the use of lagging indicators, and they found four main points. One, there was no measurable association between recordable incidents and fatalities. Two, recordable injuries are almost entirely random. Three, recordable incident rates are not precise, especially in small sampling sizes, like measuring a job site. Or a person. And number four, it is statistically invalid to use recordable incident rates to measure companies, business units, projects, or teams. When a company has low recordables, they may just have a lack of reporting. They might just be lucky. It has nothing to do with how good their safety culture is. We've spent decades measuring safety performance with this number and incentivizing people when they achieve low rates. I still see it all the time in culture assessments. Workers are encouraged not to report, go to their own doctor when injured, so the supervisor can get a bonus. So what's the alternative? If you have to measure past injuries, measure SIFs instead, serious injuries and fatalities. And you could also measure PSIFs, potential serious injuries and fatalities that could have resulted from a near miss. That combats the luck factor a little. Stitches in a finger and a dead body are opposite ends of the event spectrum. If you have to measure a lagging indicator, measure how many people died or suffered a life-altering injury or could have if they weren't lucky. This brings up another point. Measuring lagging indicators is like trying to drive forward while looking in the rearview mirror. 
Maybe we should look out the windshield instead. When we are assessing risk, all hazards are not the same. That same SIF logic applies here. When we are determining where to focus our resources, risk assessment and defense implementation should be focused on severity, probability, and duration of exposure. We can rate risk this way. How severe is the potential outcome of an event? How probable is it to occur? How long will the worker be exposed to the hazard? Thinking this way allows us to better focus our efforts on where money and time are best spent. You know, this goes against a lot of old school safety thinking, but I'll say it anyway. I'd rather spend money on a confined space rescue team than the nicest pair of gloves. If I'm backed into a limited budget quarter and I have to make a choice, yeah, nice gloves are, well, nice. But if someone has to pick one or the other, I'd rather wear cheap gloves in a manhole, knowing that three people were standing up top, wearing SCBAs, ready to jump in and save me if the tripod failed. Here's another one, safety's job. Another common misconception is the role of a safety professional. Safety's job is not to identify and correct hazards. It's supervision's job to identify and correct hazards. Sometimes safety people tell me that they see hazards the workers don't see. So you have an entire job site full of peer-checking second sets of eyes and you are the one that can see a missing guardrail? That's a system problem. If my job site or plant is full of people who can't identify hazards, we have some training to do. If they do know it's a hazard and think it's safety's job to do something about it, we have some deeper system issues to address. It's difficult because there has been a long history of organizations and their managers believing supervisors are responsible for production and quality, but safety is the job of the safety department. But that's insane. If you are a supervisor or a manager, you are responsible for all three legs of the stool, safety, production, and quality. They all go hand in hand. The role of a safety person is to communicate important information to the decision makers. In other words, it's safety's job to communicate system issues to management. It's management's job to fix those system issues. Maybe it's trouble in the estimating department. Maybe it's a lack of attention to conducting needs assessments. Maybe there's a poor leader in the wrong position. It's those type of system issues that safety should be responsible for, for communicating, not for identifying hazards. The other important information safety needs to communicate are advanced safety management principles. And that part of the role is twofold. We are on an evolutionary path in our understanding of safety. That means safety is responsible to study and learn. They must constantly educate themselves so they can communicate the best safety science to management. Here's another one. There is no root cause, but many causal factors. 
So many safety people are forced to submit an RCA within eight hours of an incident. In reality, there is no such thing as a root cause when humans fail. Sometimes root cause works with equipment failure, but it never works with people failure. As a start, we could just stop saying root cause and easily shift to causal factors instead. But better yet, we could speak the language of latent conditions and active triggers. An unsafe act immediately preceding an event is just a trigger. It triggered a network of latent conditions that lay dormant in the culture. If someone was standing on the top of an A-frame ladder, that could be an active trigger. How that scenario occurred could be a combination of 30 different latent conditions, like not doing an effective needs assessment, risk assessment, poor scheduling, or just simple distraction, and all the above. And all those things could be affecting the worker at the exact same moment in time. There is no root cause. There are many causal factors. Next up, people aren't the problem. They're the solution. Many in our industry think the problem is workers are complacent. They're lazy. They won't pay attention. They won't buy into the culture. And that is a total misfocus. Engaging worker opinion is imperative. Workers should be viewed as the subject matter experts. A superintendent friend of mine who gets this truth said it even better. The worker is the smartest person on the job. They're the ones doing the work. We should consult with workers when determining severity, probability, and duration of exposure. We should consult with them when developing policies and procedures. We should invite them to help us write those rules we demand they obey. They are the smartest people on the planet when it comes to identifying risk and safety defenses that actually work in the real world. And along with this, we need to embrace subjective opinions. People like to measure things they can count, like recordables, because there is a perceived lack of subjectivity. It's also easier and takes less time and effort. But recordables aren't statistically valid. The other issue is the desire to remove subjectivity is usually rooted in a lack of trust. Subjective opinions matter. The paradox is that we must accept that our opinions about subjective opinions are subjective too. But those types of discussions are so much more valuable in a learning culture. If we embrace the both-are-true concept, there is much to learn from a worker's subjective opinion. They may not see everything, but they do see a lot. As the famous saying goes, not everything that can be counted truly counts. Here's another one. Reducing clutter. Since I mentioned rules, I also have to mention reducing clutter. Adding rules should be balanced with removing rules. When we view rules as defenses, we must accept that defenses erode over time. What was a great policy 10 years ago might be stupid today. Are we just making the task harder without thinking about severity and probability 
Are we influencing the worker to believe that management is out of touch with reality? Are our policies outdated and based on old school safety philosophy? It's smart to add new defenses that fit the work with input from those who do the work. It's dumb to think every rule in the safety manual is smart. Intentional effort should be made at least annually to delete safety rules from our programs. Next, OSHA is not the minimum standard your safety program is. I cringe a little bit every time I hear that OSHA is the minimum. It's below the minimum. OSHA regulations are created through negotiated rulemaking. In other words, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And now we have an agreed-upon regulation. I often joke it's like taking Democrats and Republicans and sticking them in a room to come up with a new law. How's that going to go? I want this, you want that, I'll give you this if you give me that. It's not based on science. It's based on the desires of different parties with different goals getting their way. The other issue is that OSHA standards are designed to be cheap. In other words, they must be affordable for a small business to comply with. And so all of this leads to an unpleasant truth. Some OSHA regulations could be followed and a fatality could still occur. Like having a steel erector 28 feet in the air without fall protection. Are we really going to call that the minimum standard? Cheap political negotiations that can kill people? Don't get me wrong, though. I'm happy OSHA exists, and I have friends I respect who work there. We just need to view OSHA as what it is. Our current safety program should be viewed as the minimum standard. It, too, should continually evolve toward better and smarter practices. Another issue is training. The one and done versus continual growth. There's been a long history of check-the-box training in our industry. I had a guy the other day asking how he could get a replacement for his seven-year-old 30-hour card. He said the, the name and the date were actually wearing off of it. Maybe training isn't even the right word. Maybe we should replace that word with development. Are our workers trained? Maybe. But how are we developing them? Instead of talking about our fall prevention training program, what about our fall prevention development program? Training often means one and done. Sure, there could be requirements to take the class again every so many years, but development is an entirely different concept that includes training. My favorite description is see one, do one, teach one. Classroom training is good to cover concepts. Hands-on examples in the field are better. Observing and coaching trainees while they apply the training in the real world is friggin' awesome. Turning students into teachers is greatness. Training is good. Development is greatness. So how are we developing our workforce? Okay, here's another one. Quality versus quantity. As I said before, not everything that can be counted counts. And the rest of the quote, the things that can't be counted 
really count. It sure is hard to count quality, but I'd rather have five quality risk assessments than 500 pieces of paper copied with the names and dates changed. Give me quality or give me death. For real, it's the quality of the doing that matters. You can apply this to just about anything in safety. I'd rather have two developed, qualified riggers than an entire crew with a bunch of one-and-done cards. One quality safety assessment trumps 100 crappy pieces of paper. One great toolbox talk is a heck of a lot better than a bunch of signatures and dates. And since I started with recordables, I'm going to finish with zero. We have got to stop preaching zero. No more slogans with zero. No more stickers. Instead, we need to accept the inevitable. People will continue to die and get hurt at work. Now, we don't have to love it, but we do have to accept it. It's totally fine to mourn the dead and the injured. What's not okay is to preach some kind of perfect utopia where workers never get injured anymore. And here's why. Resilience and planning for how we respond to the inevitable bad outcome matters. When people are shocked with a bad stain on their zero utopia, they often blame people as the perpetrators. When people learn to accept the inevitable, that their systems aren't perfect, and a worker will get hurt one day, they perfect the way they respond to those undesired outcomes. They accept it will happen, even though they don't want it to. And this changes the response from one of blame to one of learning. Through that learning, we become more resilient. When we are resilient, We can learn from any bad outcome and grow our wisdom through it. We grow, we evolve, we improve, and we continually get better at protecting people. What better way to honor those that are injured or killed than learning from those inevitable outcomes? Rethinking safety is not for the meek. You will continually face resistance to change. People will argue with you, kick, scream, and cry. But if we are going to evolve, we need to change the narrative. Recordables are statistically invalid. All hazards are not the same. There is no root cause. OSHA is not the minimum standard. Training is just one component of development. Quality trumps quantity every time. The worker is the solution, not the problem. And safety's job is to be the bridge between the worker and management. Have a beautiful week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.